let's go to text messages. Oh, by the way, before we go to text messages, number to call is 0491-064-669. Send your through your guesses it's- between... Lawson, yourself, and myself to see who can get this one first, and no one has it yet, not even for bragging rights. It's not killed. How do you kill a pillar? How do you kill... I don't know. I just saw the thing about Aaron's clothes. I was just like, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, again, it's it's none of those. All right. Let's uh, go to text messages. Let's see what we have here this morning. And Chris says, Google skews search results to conform to their political agenda. It did that prior to the same-sex marriage referendum. Only pro-arguments were put on the first few pages. It's an interesting thought, you know. What would the world have looked like if Google and Facebook had been opposed to same-sex marriage? Or like any issue. They they really are controlling, you know, particularly on an issue like that, which is fairly close. Mm. You know, there wasn't a huge gap across Australia when we had the referendum, uh, and so you've got a lot of swing voters in the middle. They they are controlling our world right now, as far as you know, the democracies and the decisions that democracies are making. When you see how easily they can just switch off an algorithm and create yeah. a riot. But even, like, because I personally, like, and I think we can all agree, you know, it's pretty easy just to read something on social media and move on with your day having been fed an opinion, right? Like, there's, there's for, for a lot of people, there's not much, um, there's not much uh, motivation to, to go out and, and investigate. And that's, like, fair enough. I, I think for me, a lot of the time, I, you know, I feel the same way. Sometimes it's like, oh, I've... I read it on social media, like, fair enough, move on. Um, but even, like, I'm thinking now of examples of of things that are really in the forefront um, of social media as, like, proven things that could be totally swung the other way if, like, these these algorithms from Facebook and Instagram were to just, like, disagree with them. Like, like but, like, facts. Like, imagine if, you know, imagine if the algorithm was like, oh, um, plastic pollution doesn't exist. And just every voice that tried to say that plastic pollution existed just silenced them. And so no one knew that that was a problem. Even it's pretty though, scary stuff. Even though it's it's a fact that, pla- like, there's a great, you know, Pacific garbage patch that, like, plastic pollution is a massive problem. But I'm just give that example because it's like, if you have some fact, but it's hidden from you, and the only opinions shared with you are things that contradict that, mm. well, then you could fully come to the wrong opinion. Indeed, indeed. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting, scary world in which we live. And the other thing, of course, uh, with all of this is that there is a massive amount of censorship that is taking place as well. Mm. And censorship is restricting freedom of speech, and so that's a very dangerous situation. Social media has really created a very volatile world. You know, you unlock social media and you switch all the algorithms off and the world will erupt into World War Three. But if you restrict social media so that we don't get World War World War Three, you end up with restrictions on freedom of speech. Mm. Neither of those are good outcomes. Literally, I feel like our world is just too connected, eh? Yeah. Like, it's, it's t- that's tough. Anyway... Uh, let me see here. Oh, next one says, come on. You need a time. You need time and a clock to tell you to get up early. How dumb. <laughs> Daylight saving is a joke for fools. 
who is this person? Who is this person? <laughs> no, no, you, are, you are wrong. You are incorrect. Daylight saving. It's daylight saving. Well, it like isn't this. about the start like of the this. day. It's about the it, end of the day. It's absolutely true that, you know, there is nothing stopping you from setting your alarm clock to get up earlier in the morning, right? Yeah. Uh, but isn't it so much easier when you when everybody else is getting up at the same time? Doesn't that make it so much easier for business? Now, if you're working out on a farm somewhere or other like that, then daylight saving is pretty relevant because you get up with the sun and go down with the sun. Mm. I get that. But for anywhere else where you're trying to run a business or something or other, then, you know, and you're trying to run an economy, you need to have people operating on a certain time schedule. You need to have schools operating on a certain Mm. time schedule. And so you've got to have, you know, a set time. You can't just operate off the sun when you are dealing with a large city. All I know is that when daylight savings come in, you get more time on your I have an extra hour to get home and do whatever I want before the sun comes exactly. down. Exactly. Go exactly. outside, go for a walk, go skating, go motorbike riding, hang out with for my that, friends. The reason like, for that amazing. is because your work starts an hour earlier. And the reason that your work starts an hour earlier is because it's actually legislated. Yes. Yeah. God, this is a good thing. I don't understand why this person would say something uh, anyway. so evil. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Um, yeah, we disagree with you, but that's okay. We, 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 love <laughs> we still the, love you. Yeah, we do. We, we love the interaction. You yeah. can send us in more um, uh, Daylight Savings hate mail and we'll read it, but yes, we'll just we will. very much disagree with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> we can. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Earth's historical temper- temperature. Has someone been lying to us again? I wonder why the papacy is pushing the climate emergency and why it is connected to the Sunday Day of Rest. Mm. Must be a prophetic call coincidence Mm. and this is something that has definitely been growing particularly out of the whole covid crisis is the whole concept of a weekly sunday day of rest to give the planet a rest Uh, another one here says i am all for clean air and looking after the planet i am however very concerned about the bigger picture they will destroy us with kind words and deeds the agenda did i miss something here anyway uh, I thought I had another text message, but it disappeared. My text messages are playing up this morning. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Oh, but that, like that, the point that that making that person's making is like fair enough. Absolutely. As Christians, we are all for clean air. Yeah. And we should be pushing for clean air, and we should be doing whatever we can to clean up our planet. But then at the same time, it's like you know, the, I think the point that the text is making is that like any any good deed can be taken too far and actually harm us. You know, or any any good ideology. I remember like. Well, back in, like, the 90s, you had, like, this punk rock movement that was, like, vegan, hardcore punk rock. And they would, like, go around to, like, animal factories and, like, burn them down, like, like leather factories and, like, beat up people who eat meat and stuff. Like, it, it was pretty, it was a pretty localized thing to, like, the east coast of America, like, you know, Philadelphia and stuff. And it was, like, a really small scene. But it just showed, like, oh, veganism is, like, a great cause like great thing you know eating vegan is is good for yourself it's good for animals da 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 but then it's like you know you've got a bunch of people beating other people up because they're not eating vegan yeah, it's yeah. like get like get over it's yourself good for, it's good for animals so let's beat up people <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> that's right but I'll, like this person's making the point like you know this is on a much larger scale that if we legislate things that ultimately hurt people for the sake of the climate, yet it's not even helping the climate, you're just you're just using the climate as an excuse to hurt and control people. That's that's a negative thing. So, all right, moving on here, clean air. That would be nice. I wish the UK all the best, but mm. I do wish they believed the word of God. That is not what the future holds. 
One eruption from a major volcano will destroy all the clean air the world might have achieved through climate control and untold, to- untold number of volcanic, of, of volcanic eruptions are prophesied. Mm. Oh, we had volcanic eruption, eruptions recently. Yeah, we did. Where was it? Indonesia or no, Italy? It was La Palma, I think, which is like a Spanish island. Spanish island. Okay, yeah. somewhere over there. Yeah. Dude, this is insane. There's like videos coming out of like people in the street watching the lava just like flow down. And burn their houses. Yeah. Okay, World War Three will be happening in the world just before the second coming of Jesus. Uh, Facebook algorithms are a part of the social engineering for the world. Ex- ex- exceptionally powerful, as you just mentioned. May the Lord keep us safe. Intense. Yes. Okay, there you go. That was all of our text messages. We'll be back with Deuteronomy. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So, so far we have been studying a whole week on the book of Deuteronomy. A whole week? Yes. You mean a whole quarter? No, a whole week we've done so far on oh, the book of oh, Deuteronomy. Yeah, yeah, and we haven't, haven't opened the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. <laughs> and just when you thought you were going to open the book of Deuteronomy, let's go to Exodus chapter 32. <laughs> I'm literally in the book of Deuteronomy. I'm like so ready. ready to go. Yeah. Deuteronomy is an amazing book. And our 20 million movement Bible study is just like, no, wait. This is delayed wait. gratification, it bro. It is. You need to learn delayed gratification. It's like, no, give me Deuteronomy now. I need it now. <laughs> okay, so Exodus chapter 32 is oh, where we're going to start. Classic chapter. Uh, because we've kind of looked at you know the foundation for Deuteronomy. Why are the people of Israel there? Uh, what is their purpose? Why are they a distinct group of people? Why have they been in Egypt? Why are they travelling to the Promised Land? Now we're going to look at one of the central figures in the book of Deuteronomy, one of the central figures in the Bible, mm. and that is Moses. Yes. So we're going to learn some things about Moses this morning, and this particular passage is pretty full on. So let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 32. Let me flick over there very quickly. I'm going to follow along as well. Uh, We're going to start reading in verse 29. 29 to 32 is our passage that we're going to look at in detail today. All right, go for it, Lawson. Then Moses told the Levites, Today you have ordained yourself for the service of the Lord, for you obeyed him even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you earned a blessing. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a terrible sin, but I will go back up to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. And verse 32. And verse 32. But now if you will forgive their sin, um, but now if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. Okay, so this is a pretty full-on passage right mm. here. And, of course, this, re- re- this, this revolves around the circumstances of the golden calf. Mm-hmm. So to do a bit of a recap, this is what has happened. The Israelites have worshipped a golden calf. And as a result of that, the Levites, who decided to have nothing to do with the golden calf, were commissioned to go out and execute the primary perpetrators. Mm. And there were a lot of people that died. I don't see the number right here. I'll find it for you during the next song break. But there were a very, very large group of people who died that day. Now, here's an interesting question before we go any further. 
capital punishment for worshipping a golden calf. Do you think that's really justified? Mm, or, is, or has God gone a little bit too far in this particular circumstance? I, I think on the surface it kind of fly, flies in the face of religious liberty, you indeed, could say. Indeed, indeed it does. It does indeed. So how does this relate to the issue of religious liberty? Didn't they have the right to worship a golden calf if they want to worship a golden calf? Yeah, well, you also have to think, like the thought is, is what does golden calf worship involve? That's probably like the first step I would take. To, to to understanding like what this is, but secondarily, understanding the circumstances that they're in. Yeah, we don't know exactly what the golden calf worship involved. The Bible says that they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Mm. There's a lot of things that could go. There's lots of inference. A lot of inferred stuff that is uh, inferred right there. We don't have the details. Yeah. But at the same time, like, okay, if God stops raining food from heaven which you'd have the right to because they're worshipping a golden calf, like they're not worshipping him who's like fully saved their life and brought them out there. Literally every single person's going to die anyway. Yeah, okay, so let's stop and think about this for a moment and let's give a little bit of context because initially you think about it, so there's two issues here. The first issue is has gone to God has God gone too far? Mm. Death penalty for worshipping a golden calf. The second issue is... Uh, where is why is there no religious liberty being practiced here by God? Mm. Those are our two big questions that we need to look at before we go further in the story. Okay, so has God gone too far? All right, we sin from time to time. Sure. In fact, there are probably times when we have pretty much turned our back on God. Mm. There are definitely lots of people that we know who have walked away from God for many, many years mm. and have come back to God. And the death penalty hasn't come on you or I or any of them other than that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that gift hasn't you know, departed from you or I. So if we, if we look at this then and we say, okay, that's, that's, that's pretty extreme what God is doing. However, I want you to think about these people. First of all, this is a group of people who saw the ten plagues in Egypt. Mm. They saw day after day after day God miraculously intervening on their behalf. These are people who received, because of God's intervention, the wealth of Egypt. Mm. So God has provided for them not just freedom, but fabulous wealth, because, you know, Egypt is legendary for its wealth. So we've got the plagues, we've got the wealth that God has, re- has provided. Then we have a situation where they follow a cloud. So God actually is visibly there every day. A cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. God's visible presence is right there. And then we have a situation where God leads them through the Red Sea and destroys the Egyptian army. Then we have a situation where God, as you mentioned a moment ago, is providing food for them every single day. They are worshipping a golden calf. They get up in the morning and the food is still there. God is providing for their needs. And this is a group of people that God personally audibly spoke to from the top of a mountain. You know, God speaks to us all in many different ways, but... It is rare that God comes out and speaks to a congregation audibly. Mm. 
In fact, this is probably one of the only places in the Bible, if not the only place in the Bible, where God speaks to an entire congregation. And so when you start to put that list together, they've seen the plagues. They've lived under the pillar of cloud by fire and the, and, and, and the, and the smoke by day. They've gone through the Red Sea. They've had their food provided for them every day, even when they are in rebellion. They have heard the voice of God and they've seen the power of God. They've felt the mountain shake. They've, you know, they have seen all this. And in the sight of God, where they can look up to the mountain and they can see the pillar of cloud and they can pick the manna up the, off the ground and eat the manna, they rebel and worship a golden calf. Mm. That's pretty next-level rebellion. That's a level of rebellion that we find it hard for us to wrap our minds around. Mm. And so, no, this is just not like the average kind of rebellion that you know we often see in our world to go today. This is, this is definitely next level. The next question is, where, where, where is these people's religious liberty? Mm. Why hasn't God provided? Why doesn't the nation of Israel have religious liberty? I, Jesus stands up for religious re- liberty in the New Testament. Why doesn't God do it in the Old? I, well, I think, like, given all the things that you just mentioned, like the circumstances that these guys are in, it's like at that point, like, is is there even room for another religion? <laughs> like, like, how can you how can you see all that happen? I think you know the consequences is, for example, okay. Capital punishment exists in this world, even in first world countries, Yes, even in the United States. And the idea there is that, like, someone committed a crime. The reason they deserve capital punishment is because they committed a crime which they absolutely knew was wrong, like, and there's no... Like, they they believe that they've completely forfeited their right to be a part of society by committing that crime. Because the the circumstances were so clear for that person, like they intentionally did something wrong, like they killed someone. It's like you intentionally, in full sound mind, went and perpetrated against someone. Um, there was no misinformation. There was no um, difference of perspective. There was no, uh, yeah, d- deception. Like in full sound mind, you did something that you knew was full well wrong. And I feel like in this circumstance for the Israelites, like you know, they, they couldn't call on, they, they couldn't excuse themselves with some level of, oh, we were misinformed, oh, we were deceived, oh, we had a narrow perspective. Like, the reality is, is that they they knew. Mm. Like, this is the experience that they're having. They're seeing God. And as I mentioned before, like, God could have killed everyone. And how could he have killed them? He could have miraculously, like, stopped miraculously providing them food. Absolutely. I feel like if anything, this is a mercy, like to 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 just hey to just get rid of the perpetrators, like the people who have made their decision in full like full knowledge of what they've done, in full understanding that God has done everything for them, and then they've just wanted to rebel against him out of I don't know pure evil and hate. So somebody's texted through here. Can God go too far? Are we now gods to judge God? His love is beyond measure. For forty years they rebelled against him, ten times, and yet he kept his side of the bargain. And we've got another one here regarding the death penalty. God hasn't changed from the beginning with Adam and Eve. The death penalty is in place. So is in, is in place. So nothing new here. But with repentance brings release. Our substitute has paid the death penalty. That's from Bruce. Wow, that's such a good point. Like the, the penalty has never changed. Mm-hmm. It's always been the death penalty. That's right. Absolutely, never changed at all. All right, we're gonna come back. We're gonna. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
Let's get into it and let's look at what this issue of religious liberty. So let's consider religious liberty for a moment. Mm. Is religious liberty important in a nation? Yes. Uh, did Jesus stand for religious liberty uh, when he was here on this earth? Definitely. Within the nation? Mm. Yes, he did. Absolutely. Does Jesus provide for religious liberty? Yes. There would be no cross if there was no religious liberty. Religious mm. liberty is at the centre of why Jesus gave his life because without religious liberty there is no freedom of choice. Without freedom of choice, why did Jesus have to die? Mm. If he could just you know, flick a switch, the no sin switch in human beings, and we could never sin again, problem solved. Yeah, well. Doesn't have to die. Mm. Uh, but to do so, of course, he would eradicate love because without freedom of choice there is no such thing as love. So why is there not religious liberty within the nation of Israel? Let me ask this question a little bit differently. Is there religious liberty within your church? In other words, uh, for instance, Lawson, you're a member of the Adventist church, mm. and so let's say that you start preaching something that, let's say you start preaching Buddhism in the Adventist church. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what would the end result of that be? So, well, because not only am I a member, but I also work in the Adventist church. Yes. I'm a, a deacon in my church, and so you, I'm you part stand of up leadership. You, you stand up in your church and you say, we all need to become Buddhists. So I would... But like I would definitely lose my position at church. Yes. But secondarily, I'd lose my job. Yes. And I probably wouldn't be on faith And eventually, you know, if you persisted, eventually you would lose your membership. Yeah. And so here's one of the differences. You have religious liberty mm-hmm. as a human being. Mm-hmm. But in a church, you don't have religious liberty. Because the church has, I mean, there's a certain level of liberty for sure. But the church has certain salient teachings that we all support. Yes. And, you know, so if you're a Roman Catholic, you're going to have these beliefs. If you are an Adventist, you will have these ones. If you are uniting church, you'll have a different set. And and they're like the requirements. That's right. And Jesus himself has requirements. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, this is what we forget, is that the nation of Israel was God's church. And because it was God's church, then God doesn't necessarily remove your religious liberty as an individual but he does have a standard for membership in his church. Mm. And worshipping a golden calf broke the standard of membership within God's church. Yeah. Now, if you want to go and worship a golden calf, then leave God's church, travel back to Egypt, travel to Palestine, go by yourself. Mm. Do your own thing, but take it somewhere else. Mm. Don't do it within God's church. Yeah. And so this is the important because... The important thing, because we, we forget sometimes that the nation of Israel was not just a nation. It was also God's church. When you come to Jesus' time, they're under Roman rule. Mm. And so God's church still has a standard. You can still be excommunicated from God's church. That never changes. Uh, but when it comes to the... Um, you know the the political situation when you're under Roman rule or democratic rule or republican rule or whatever it might be, whatever kind of rule that there is out there, then you must have religious liberty. That's the thing. You know, by the time you get to Jesus' time, and especially in in today's time, where there's yeah, there's this level of 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 ignorance, multiculturalism, like that God makes account for. You know, He gives people the freedom because people just simply don't know. Yes. But obviously, once you come into his truth, like, yeah, what are you going to do? Hey, and look at all that. Our sites are coming back online. Good for good for us. Uh, Whoa, back up to 60, uh, 60 
of 60 sites out of 89 that are on the, the the live broadcast. So welcome back, guys. We've just been chatting away about the book of Deuteronomy. Oh, it's been a good Bible study, too. <laughs> it's been really good. But yeah, essentially, the religious liberty. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to our uh, passage. We read uh, verse 29. Now let's go to verse 30. It says, And it came to pass the next day that Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for you. Mm. It's interesting here the word atonement comes from the word bear. Mm. He says, I'm going to go up to the mountain to see if I can bear your sins, Mm. to see if I can carry your sins on myself. Wow. And we often miss the significance of that because, you know, if you come down to the New Testament, Peter says that it was Jesus who bore our sins on the cross. Mm. He carried our sins. And Moses is like, you know what? I'm going to go up to the mountain. I'm going to talk with God and see if I can carry your sins. And so Moses goes up to the mountain and he talks with God and God's like, yeah, you know what? I'm done with these people. You know, here I am. Here they are. They get up in the morning. They eat their manna for breakfast and then go out and worship a golden calf. Wow. You can understand why God is done with these people. Mm. They sit around, have a delicious breakfast of manna and then go and worship a golden calf. Mm. Yeah, that is next level rebellion. you got Aaron makes this golden calf. Yeah, he's, like, he's, he's like Moses' brother. Like he's, the second in command. He's the one who was right there with Moses when the plagues were falling on Egypt. He was the one who was going in before Pharaoh. Yeah. He's the spokesperson for Moses. All of, you know, he's the, he's the one who knows the language really, really well and speaks to them and, you mm. know, when Moses has been away for 40 years. Mm. I think, like, to say that these people, to make, like, the adamant case, like, oh, there's no reason that they deserve to die and God went too far. Well, then you create a situation where at the end of time, when everyone's just destroyed, like when sin is destroyed, you can then make the same case that God goes too far. Yeah. Because ultimately, like, the reason why in the end, like, God has a judgment and there are those who are saved and there are those who are lost is because people are no longer ignorant. Like, that's the point of the judgment is to get to the point where every it's like for everyone, it's like, hey, you had your decision, you weren't ignorant, you had the ability to choose, and you didn't choose. You didn't choose repentance, you didn't choose salvation, you chose against me. And you will never choose me. Like, that's what the Bible says. Like, let the just be just, let the unjust be unjust. Like, like that's that's it. It's over. It's done. Um, and we see, the like, a, a kind of microcosm of that situation here where it's they had no ignorance about who God was and what he was doing for them, yet they chose to rebel anyway. So what more can God do? Mm, indeed. Indeed. All right, God has done as much as he can. And of course, Moses steps in as the intercessor to bear their sins and becomes wow. a type, a symbol of Jesus Christ. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, must be time for... Question of the Day. All right, our question of the day is kind of a part two from last week. We had um, we we had Cheryl like text in and ask a bunch of questions about the thousand years in heaven, um, about you know how long the earth has been around and different things. But the ultimate question today is why do we go to heaven for a thousand years? Okay, so um, there's 
a whole bunch of areas that we could go on this particular point, but to understand why we go to heaven for a thousand years, we need to understand the judgment. And to understand the judgment, we need to understand that the judgment begins before Jesus comes back. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus returns, it says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 27, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward everyone according to their works. Clearly, the judgment has already taken place by the time that Jesus comes back. Now, the Bible describes it in Daniel chapter 7, where it says in verse 9, I beheld till thrones were, thrown, were set in place, the Ancient of Days sat, his garment was white as snow, the hair of his head was like the pure wool, his throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. And so you've got this judgment scene taking place here. It go, continues on, it says in verse 11, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spoke. I beheld until the beast was killed and his body was destroyed and given to the burning flame. And so this is taking place after the judgment has begun. The little horn is not destroyed until after, the Antichrist is not destroyed until after the judgment has begun in heaven. And so we have the judgment taking place in heaven previous to the return of Christ. And you might ask, well, why is that the case? There are a number of reasons. First of all, why does God need to have a judgment at all? Doesn't God already know who's saved and who's lost? Of course he does. Nothing could be more obvious. The judgment is not for God's benefit. God doesn't gain anything from it. God doesn't learn anything from it. The universe learns. Because God is about to come back and God is about to say, you know what, I can read people's minds and because I can read people's minds, I know who's saved and who's lost. This person is lost, this person is saved, condemned some, saves others. And the universe has to take all of that on blind faith. And that might raise some question marks. And where you have question marks, you have the possibility of the return of sin. And so God's like, okay, before we do any of this, I'm going to hold a judgment. I'm going to do it in open court. The Bible says thousand times ten thousand and ten thousand thousands ministered unto him. Everyone is there when God holds the judgment so that everybody can see that every decision that God has made is just, is all loving, is perfect, and is right. That way there's no question left anywhere in the universe in relationship to God's judgment. This is why God holds a judgment. He holds a judgment so that sin never comes back. He holds a judgment so that no one has any doubts. The problem is that God must do that before he comes back to this earth because when God comes back to this earth, probation, the opportunity for salvation is over. And when that opportunity for salvation is over, some people are going to be saved and some people are going to be condemned. So it has to happen before Jesus comes back. The problem with that is that no one on earth can be present during the judgment which is why this is the purpose now for the 1,000 years. The purpose for the 1,000 years is so that the judgment can continue and everyone can have their opportunity to go to God and say, hey, let me tell you, let me ask about this person, let me ask about that person. And God can open up the book one at a time, sit down with you and answer any questions you've got. There's going to be a lot of saved people. It's going to take God a while to get through mm. all of the all of the people and all of the questions, but all of us will have that opportunity. And this, of course, is what the Bible says here in Revelation 20 and verse 4. I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ and judged with Christ for a thousand years. This is the righteous now participating in the judgment. 
This is the purpose for the judgment. Uh, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 7 that judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 3, Paul says, Know you not that we will judge angels? Okay, so why have this in heaven rather than on earth? Why not just have it on earth? The answer is very simple. The earth is the only place in the universe that Satan has access to. And for Satan to be punished in solitary confinement, then what God must do is remove all of the people. If the people were to stay here, Satan would not be being punished. Satan would not be in solitary confinement because there would be people here. So God removes all of the people. Now Satan only has one place he can go. That is this earth. Well, he's only, always only had that one place. He can't go anywhere else, else in the universe. And so his punishment is here on this earth. This is why God takes the righteous to heaven to be with him. So there's the purpose for the judgment, and there is the reason why it happens in heaven. This is Carolyn Cobb. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.